And after all of that, it looks like it's going to end up in a two-all draw. We've had the seven minutes on my watch. The referee will allow play to continue for a few seconds more, headed up towards Nuiu. Nuiu's in there. Stevie May back heel to Kieran Lee! Oh. Yeah! Lee wins it with the last kick of the game for Wednesday. It's unbelievable here at the New York Stadium. Here comes the corner from Wallace. It is deep, it is headed towards goal. It bounces down and it's two. It is Fernando Forestieri. What a start to the second half from Wednesday. And it has completely taken this South Yorkshire derby away from Rotherham. First wow, then Forestieri. It is Rotherham nil, Wednesday two. Will it be fizzed over now? It's sent into the middle. Who can get their heads to this one? It comes back towards Hutchinson, hooks it back. The header from Adam Rich goes in towards the centre. Where will it go? Will it break loose for Wednesday? Yeah! He was looking at lost cause, and Wednesday do it again. How many times late in the day must we score here at the New York Stadium? It's 2-2, and it's Iorfa. Who doesn't love a late, late, late goal at Rotherham? Certainly, no one currently broadcasting this week's edition of Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, and in honor of another late goal at the New York Stadium, I am drinking another one by Maine Beer Company in Freeport, Maine. This is my favorite uh, IPA. Of all time. I actually forgot I had bought it when we did like our fancy beer store run a couple weeks ago. But I was looking for something else tonight and found it. And I'm like, oh, put this on ice for our Sheffield Wednesday podcast. It is a regular old India Pale Ale, 7% ABV. When we expanded our brewery in 2013, the stress was something to say the least. I ran out of creative juice for a minute. So I decided to have another one for inspiration. Um, appropriate for this podcast because there's not a lot of creative juice coming out of this Rotherham game. But to help me discuss that and the usual assortment of Wednesday news. First off in Ohio, it's Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? I'm drinking some Woodford Reserve. Uh, uh, the regular, actually... regular old uh, narrow bottle, nothing... Uh, I have the yeah. double oaked somewhere. Yeah, the double oak's great, uh, but this is just the standard, um, and can't go wrong. I mean, I have the glass literally half full, um, <laughs> so should be should be a good night. Also on the line is Elliot Little. Elliot, what are you drinking? Wait, wait, wait! Hey. Can we can we just add that we have two folks from Ohio on the it show is. today? I am. I mean, I am we're, we're dominating. No, East, Co- no East Coast bias this week. Now it's Midwest all the way. That's right. Balancing it out. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Um, I have pulled from the fridge the last of my annual six pack of Bell's Hop Slam. There's a lot of pressure written on the can of must drink immediately will spoil if you let it sit too long. So I'm ceremoniously having my last 12 ounces of that for 2019. So on the agenda, we will recap the Rotherham Cup Final, and all of the chaos that ensued at the end of it. We'll talk about another actual derby win for Sheffield Wednesday as the under-23s beat United. We'll talk about assorted and sundry meetup news, including a uh, transplanted Chicago meetup coming up this weekend, I believe, Evan. You will be in attendance. That's right. Looking forward to it. 
and we'll get we actually have some uh we have some reader listener listener i can do this right listener email after i apparently was very sad about not getting any listener emails on last week's show so we will answer so at this point i kind of have to answer the email don't i it's what i asked for we will start with the rotherham match and something no one asked for evan an 8 a.m kickoff time on the east coast no, those 8 a.m.s are tough, um, but it's tough to complain as well since we have so many faithful followers that in the central time zone and um, <laughs> also out west. So yeah. um, every now and then it's, it's good for us to get, get out of bed a little bit early. And uh, we have a new puppy at home, so he gets us up at about 7 or 7.30 anyway. And so it was kind of perfect for me. It was, uh, you know, it harkens back for me, certainly, who cut his teeth having to schlep down to new york for the 715 bn sports kickoffs the once a month they were actually on tv in the halcyon days of like 2014 2015 and thereabouts the early days of the new york owls um but now how long is that trip how long is that trip by the way i go down the night before usually so it's like an hour 45 yeah probably closer to two now it's probably closer actually to like 215 from where i live now when I was first okay. going down, it was like an hour 45 to where I stayed in Queens. But I would go down, well, that's the, cute. I would go down that, the night before that's... and then take the subway in. Which would actually could be the... That's... I'm sorry. It could actually be the most difficult part, trying to get a 7 train out of Queens at 6.30 in the morning. Right. No, that's cute. That's the same uh, same amount of time it takes me to get from my house to Elliot's house. But I, I don't miss it, but it's easier now because I just rolled out of bed at 7.45 and like grabbed my phone. I think I watched the first half on my phone then made coffee and watched the second half so it was, that's uh, why you're never on that's why you never take twitter duty <laughs> you're using your phone to watch the I, am, I almost offer but you, you, ju- you, you jumped you jumped out. in this week evan so i was i was pleased about that i, I could have actually taken it but if i, I think i got put on the, the spot then yeah you know, didn't patty just straight up say hey you're on twitter oh he might have uh, i uh oh, well. i generally try to dodge it whenever possible i feel like i'm too negative and also, I feel like in the time it, in the time it takes me to actually like type out what's happening, like it's already like moved on to something else. Especially if you typed out us scoring a goal, uh, yeah. I actually literally had a tweet. We'll talk about it, but I had a tweet prepared about us scoring a goal. At the same time, Rotherham scored theirs. Just you know, I just deleted yeah. the tweet. Like, forget it. <laughs> I mean, I would say the the first half of the game, Elliot was cagey uh, in the first half an hour or so um wednesday defended more or less well but that's about all they could do yeah you wouldn't call any of it really controlled but um yeah some some positive runs forward the the back line felt like it was is holding some organization organization intact um but yeah it, it it wasn't showing that we were we were in a dominating place but um yeah, it didn't start the the way the the game trended from that point forward, that's for sure. But somehow Wednesday did find the first breakthrough, Evan, with a little bit of help from for a change of pace, a mistake by the opposing defense, set reach into the byline where he cut back for Fernando Forestieri, and finally, mercifully, a clinical finish in front of the goal. Yeah, one of very few for the, for the match. So yeah, it was good to see. Um, kind of one of those classic goals that you know we used to sc- see scored fairly frequently uh, a year or two ago. You know, you, you just an easy pass and and well slotted home from Forestieri. Reach involved in the action. Really, everyone was involved, and um, just good to see. Good to see that kind of goal. And I really thought at that point we had had a, a couple chances in front of goal already, and I thought for sure that we would be in, uh, in in good shape going forward, but obviously that wasn't necessarily the case. Perhaps it came a bit against the run of play, you could argue, um, although Wednesday did grow into the game a little bit as it went on. Uh, but the run of play, Elliot, immediately reestablished itself. <laughs> yeah, holy cow. Um, yeah, I was... I had actually, from iFollow, hit rewind to go watch the full buildup of the goal to make sure I 
I, I caught it all. And by the time I got back to live, I had missed what happened, which forced me to rewind again. And wow. Um, quick, quick moment, which we had seen earlier in the year, right under Joss, some, some moments of, um, of, of just complete lapse of concentration. And, um, it took them about three passes and they put that ball through the back of the net. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll come on to this more as the, as the game review rolls on, but you know, after, you know, whole game aside, almost two months now of an incredibly well-organized and very consistent back four. Obviously, Thornley has slotted in for Tom Lees with his injury recently. Looks like that will continue going forward, Evan. Uh, I mean, there's some shambolic defending, especially, you know, basically from Wednesday's first goal on to the 90-minute mark or so. Yeah, I'd say so, uh, especially on that. That goal they scored, it was we kind of reverted back to the ball watching that we harped on so much uh, before, I guess before Joss was out, the new regime took over. Um, you know, Thornley with his with his back to offensive players, and even Bannon I think came in and when that ball was played, not to the front man, but the the one trailing behind. I mean, he was all alone, like literally all alone, and uh, Bannon was just kind of sprinting with his eyes toward the ball and. It was the I think the number seventeen that, that scooted in behind there and, and just headed it home with really no resistance at all um, and and that's kind of again that's that's what we've done it, or is the thirteen I think that scored it but uh, that's what we've done is we've uh, it, it's just elementary stuff where you gotta you gotta find a man you gotta mark a man and it's not like we're we're out there playing his own defense you know and and if you see a guy open you, you have to take him and you know I'm. I won't even pretend to be a, a really intelligent, well-read, well-versed uh, soccer analyst, but I can definitely tell that there are some issues with, with the way we defended there. Uh, Wednesday's defense over the last couple of seasons, Evan, has not been what uh, what we would term in sort of the baseball community as a hard scout. Yeah, I mean, you're it's, absolutely it's right. It's pretty it's, easy to see what's going on there. And, right. Uh, what, well, I would say too the commute, just the the communicate, the lack of communication between Hector and Thornley was really clear. And I thought Hector proved himself out of position more and more. It seemed as the game kind of moved on. But yeah, they they to, to your guys' point, they they were watching the ball, but you know, communicating with each other about the movement of Rotherham around them just just seemed to be stopped, and they were all playing on their own little island uh hanging each other out it 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 did it did harken back to what we've been feeling for the for the first half of the season that's for sure and i wonder if some of that has to do with with just us getting more comfortable you know we saw almost immediately when when westwood got back in there we saw better communication our defense improved dramatically and obviously we we had just scored a goal and a lot of times you see guys let their guard down but uh, yeah, maybe it's just a product of of getting getting too comfortable and and maybe, um, you know, just kind of thinking your guy's going to be in the right spot and not feeling like you have to say anything. Uh, and ho- hopefully, it's kind of a wake up call. I mean, rather than what were they bottom three when at least when we played them over the weekend. So um, hopefully, we see that and we we realize like look, we we have to keep talking. Thornley's still really young, still learning, um, and still a guy that needs plenty of help from the veterans. I mean, most teams, Evan, to be fair, don't concede immediately after scoring. However, we're Wednesday fans, so your perspective might be a little skewed there. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, and it, there's no really way around it. I, I didn't think Thornley was that bad, but Hector obviously had an absolute mare, and he admitted as much uh, after the game. And, like, I mean, you can have a bad day at the office, and I still think Hector's been clearly the player of the year but uh but victoria of the wednesday week made what i thought was an interesting point uh and i'd like to get your take on this elliot is you know when hector are we so reliant on hector that when he has a bad game just everything completely falls apart we go back to the you know the morgan fox that we've slagged off on this podcast for two years etc etc yeah you're right I, i did see that 
that tweet from Vic and, you know, I think she got some stick for it. Uh, but I think she, she had a great point that are we that paper thin in some of the, the spots of the team that, um, that, that provides some of that anchor, um, that if everybody's not gonna, not gonna have a blinder every, every week on the pitch. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really fair thought that, you know, we, we don't have the, the, the next man up, um, you know, ability today. Um, but there does seem to be back to kind of the chemistry that there's some old habits of maybe feeling sorry for yourself and, you know, the, the team not able to lift each other. Um, and, and, you know, something that's a, that's an error starts to spiral. But, um, I agree with you. Hector's been, been fantastic, um, and has been an anchor for us, but, um, but yeah, if we if if he has a has a tough game, um, you know we don't really necessarily have somebody to, to to swap into that place, and and clearly the team wasn't able to 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 hold us up and 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 cover that up and and keep us in a positive space. And the other, you thing know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with us being baseball guys as well, right? And Jeff, <laughs> you you obviously have more baseball knowledge than both of both Elliot and I combined, but you know Elliot and I are both baseball fans as well, and and you get a guy, you know. I'm an Indians guy, so say Frankie Lindor hitting in the the three or four spot. You know he has two or three bad games in a row. Well, you're not gonna <clears throat> you're not gonna call for him to be benched, right? Like we're we're patient people. Um, and I think Wednesday that, fans are patient people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Wednesday fans are not necessarily patient people. Um, and yeah, I I agree with both of you. I agree with Vic. You know you you have to be patient. A guy like that, especially after he comes out afterward and, and admits on his own, uh, something he didn't have to do that. He, he didn't have a good game. He wasn't on it. And, uh, I think if you hadn't forgiven him up to that point, if you see a guy be completely transparent and open and, and admit his, his wrongdoing, then I think you automatically have to just say, okay, you know, come back next time, play better and everything's fine. It is what it is. I think we didn't even lose. It's not even a loss. We'll get there. (laughs) I think the other thing is too, um, it's almost, when you Hector's been so good recently, like when you know he can just step in and break up play, he's always going to sort of be the you know Leather's lastest tackling, his positioning in the box on set pieces. He's just always in the right place at the right time. I think if you're you know if you're Thornley as his center back pairing, but even the fullbacks as well, you know maybe you cheat a little bit because you know he's there to cover you. And then when he has a bad game, all of a sudden it's like oh like. It just leaves a bigger hole than there would be normally if they were playing a little more conservatively. Like he gives them, the, you know, we've talked about how you know good Palmer's been going forward recently, and like how Fox has looked really good. Like I think it's easier to be a little more aggressive and you know be able to make those, uh, you know, those little more fifty-fifty type tackling chances when you know that you've got Michael Hector covering you. I, I agree with you. The athleticism that he's brought to this team has been a huge breath of fresh air. Um, so yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, there's trust there, but like I said, I think there's some, some, some old habits. The other thought that I've had about it is, you know, we back to kind of the communication and pulling each other up, right. The, yeah, Tom Lee's is really, you know, club captain today. Um, you know, he's very different than a, than a Glenn Leuven's was, um, wearing that armband and holding people accountable, you know, visibly, and I'm sure even more so behind the scenes. But that's just another thought that I've had of what, you know, real leadership amongst that team of, um, of, of, you know, forcing a, a culture and a style and a communication mechanism just within the squad. Um, it'd be, it'd be nice to, to see us really firm that spot up and get back to, to somebody like a, like a Leuven's that I think, um, really exuded the club's values and, and, and really put a style on, on how the team communicated with each other. Yeah. It's an interesting question to what, to, what to do with that. It looks like Lee is going to be out. I made another setback. He's going to be out for a fair bit now. And, you know, going forward, I think Steve Bruce can more put his stamp on the team. You know, it's, you know, this is Luakai's choice as captain. I don't think any of us really had a had a problem with it. It seemed logical coming into the season. You know, it's 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 Bannon currently, and while well, he certainly has sort of the more, I think he's more 
extroverted on the field than Lee's is. I don't know if he's like the ideal uh, sort of every week in, week out uh, person to sort of be. He can be a little temperamental. I'm, 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 I feel like I may end up sort of leaning into more Scottish cliches than I should as an American on this podcast, but he seems very Scottish. He had a little bit of the Chris McGuire in him, which might be, you know, Ross Wallace. He's a little bit of a, he can be at times a little bit of a wind-up merchant. You like to have that on your it, team, you know, if you should be wearing the armband. Yeah, you're probably, you're probably right about that. And, and you definitely want to have guys that like when they, um, when they have to approach the referee, you want them to, or you want to make sure that they they keep their calm as well, because yep. uh, you know referees they have they have quite a an attitude about them. So I don't know if that person's in the squad, but if it is, it might literally be Michael Hector. <laughs> but we can deal with that come the uh, off season transfer window, I suppose. And I'm you know Bruce might you could totally see Bruce bringing in uh, since we're just signing people left and right now. Bruce can maybe bring in one of his. You know, preferred sort of veteran championship targets for for that kind of role as well. I could see that as it played out. But as the rest of the match played out, it seemed like we were just frittering off into a disappointing 2-1 loss. And then, yeah, I will take your Stevie May back heel secure and lay and raise you a lovely... 90 plus 10 goal from uh, debutante Dominic Iorfa, Evan, who, as far as I can tell, knew absolutely nothing about where that ball was when he poked it into the net, but a goal is a goal. Yeah, we'll take it. I mean, it's one of those things that, um, yeah, it's kind of desperation mode. You got guys just kind of poking at the ball, and, and a lot of times you throw skill out the window, and it's just, you know, you see New Hue a lot just kind of trying to lug one into the goal, and that's exactly what we saw, and I don't think any of us are disappointed with it. Maybe disappointed with uh, the events that transpired afterward, but, uh, yeah, and good good for Iorfa, too, you know, scoring on his debut. Uh, always good to see that, and uh, especially in such a late situation. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's fair enough. I don't, I'm not going to do like the whole 2-1 and you fucked it up or 2-2 in your cup final song, both of which would be appropriate choices at this point. It, it does, I think, to a certain extent, Elliot, uh, erase the performance that came before it because you like to, you know, it's always good to twist a knife on a local rival and it's not a derby because it's not a derby. But... Does it like what do you actually take away from this game? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. I thought, you know, Steve Bruce in the you know the, the post match interview that I watched, um, you know, summed it up well of um, you know, expectations that, that he's got for the team. And um, you know, sure you're you know, we're we're in the mid table, we get it, we're we're not going up, we're not going down. Um, sure there's emotion and it's clear there wasn't a lot of love for Wednesday in most of that stadium the, on on Saturday, um, but yeah, I think you 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 to, to the points before around you know you got some instances where hey if we're we're falling down in one place that is that is plan A B C and D is is you know this back line and there there aren't a lot of creative things to do with it so yeah it's another another chance for for you know our savior mr bruce to um figure out his game plan forward about who stays at the club who who doesn't um yeah we you know uh, to to tie the the local lads not a derby to your to your point um funny right yeah because all the the twitter banter before about cup final and stuff so good to have a laugh but can't say it's a game that i walked away from saying that uh that I, I felt much better about our team except for the fact that again maybe it's helping it's helping steve bruce figure out figure out what what really are the things that he's got to put his full attention against and you know honestly we'll we'll get to this i think when we talk about the, the under 23 derby this week but you know maybe it gives him you know, they've been pulling out the nil nils one nils it maybe gives him an opportunity to actually say like okay you guys didn't look great at the back. Well, we got three fixtures coming up in a week. 
uh, two of which we'll be previewing later. We can rotate the fullbacks a little bit, get some of the new blood into the squad now, and the stranglehold on 15th remains the stranglehold on 15th. Um, and let's sort of see what we actually have here, Evan. Yeah, it's... Uh, man, I, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, I, I didn't hear the question. <laughs> I was, Trying super hard to think of something like easy to say, and I couldn't. I'm sorry. I was trying to pull up U23 highlights. Well, that's fine. We're talking about in the next segment, and it feels like it might be for you specifically a good time to take a break. So we'll do that. We come back. We'll cover Wednesday news, dispatches from American soccer, and dispatches from Owls Americas at Wednesday soccer. <laughs> Before we go into Wednesday news, because we were discussing this off air while Evan was fitting, fixing his internet. Um, so if you listen to this podcast and also listen to the football ramble, which I feel like is a fairly large overlapping Venn diagram, you might be familiar with Luke's game where he uh, names a player and tells you how many clubs he played for. And then the other two contestants have to bid against each other and how many teams they can name that that player played for sort of like name that tune style uh for our american listeners so we just happened to pull up michael hector's wikipedia page uh and he has played for 16 clubs so evan how many of those 16 clubs do you think you can name ah uh jeez. I mean, I, I there's 16, so I can just throw some out. So, hang on, no, 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 no. You gotta, you gotta pick a, you gotta pick a number first. Yeah, you're gonna bid against Elliot here. I know. I, I just think that. How many wrong answers do I get? No, no. Once you get one, you're out. Oh. <sighs> Otherwise, we'll be here all night if I'm waiting for you to. Yeah, right. How long it'll okay. take you to come um, up with 16 teams and? I can. The... I can. If you can count Sheffield Wednesday, yes, you get one of the sixteen. I know three. So yeah, give me, three would give, have me been. give me four. Give me four. I'll just guess one. I'm going to guess one, right? Elliot, can you name more than four teams that Michael Hector has played for? I could not. It would be pure guessing. All right, this fine. That yeah. uh, Evan name four teams that Michael Hector played for. Well, does ours count? Yes. Like Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield Wednesday is one. Hall City. Hall City is two. Reading. That's three. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for it has got to be some, like, little shit. Uh, how about Oldham? He did not play for Oldham. You did not till you got Hall and managed not to name the team that he's actually on loan from right now. Yeah, I was going to say Chelsea's in there. No, let's th- let's think about this though. Has he ever actually played for Chelsea? Oh, you're right. They don't list any. Uh... Let's see. I guarantee you, he's got an appearance. I, I looked in this up. I know for a fact when he came over here, he played for a German team too. When he, he came did. over I here, I Frankfurt up, like... is one of them. Okay, I looked up. So what you're he, right. Uh... He, you're correct. He is not listed as having. He didn't even appear in a cup appearance. So it's actually only 15. Um, but the, the complete list, not including Chelsea, uh, Reading, Bracknell Town, Didcot Town, Havant and Waterlooville, Oxford City, Horsham, Dundalk, Barnett, Shrewsbury Town, Aldershot Town, Cheltenham Town, Aberdeen, so there's some Scottish uh, as well, Eintracht Frankfurt, Hull City, Sheffield Wednesday. Where the hell is... What an interesting career. Like, it's bizarre. How... How was 2000 and like when did he play for what did you say like Dun Dundalk Town? No, it's just Dundalk. Like how, it's one of the few teams he has played for that does not have town in the name. Yeah. How how was so that? So Dundalk is in the Irish. League of Ireland Premier Division. Founded yeah. in 1903. I'm also on their Wikipedia page. Is the second most successful team in terms of trophies run in the history of the League of Ireland. They're nicknamed the Lily Whites. Which is weird because they're basically have the Juventus kit as their uh, home uh, jersey. And they like played. I I had to imagine some of those teams that you mentioned were 
like non-league teams, right? Well, let's see. Uh, Didcot Town is in. Uh, well, they're currently in the Southern League Division One Central. That's a new one. They actually got transferred out of Division One West. I don't know how. Not relegated. Like... Not promoted. Transferred. Wow. That's uh, nice. unusual. Uh, Havant and Waterlooville obviously is in a lower league. They had a very famous FA Cup run a few years back. They're in the National League South. And they, oh, sorry, they're in the National League now. They got promoted out of the National League South last year. Bracknell Town is in the Isthmian League South Central Division. This is amazing. Uh, after getting promoted out of the Hellenic League Premier Division. I have no idea what tier. I mean, I've heard of the the, the Isthmian League, but I have no idea what tier that is at that point. You know, I wonder Bar- how many of our listeners right now actually give a shit about any of this. Look, we got to like at least pad a little bit to get it to the show to at least forty five minutes. So that's how I well, chose it, to it, do it. It really it floors me that Chelsea's got the patience to still. Chelsea just like Chelsea like buys every player they can and just loans them out. You want to as long as we're on Wikipedia. Do you want a list of? Uh, I'm sure this is actually not in any way, shape, or form, but a uh, a complete list of, according to Wikipedia, of players that Chelsea currently have out on loan. You can find that on Wikipedia. It, it's usually in players. Um. So so I'm looking at the Chelsea website, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my and god! I, this I looks, have, this, I have this might be pretty well up to date. Nathan Baxter, Eduardo, Bradley Collins, mm-hmm. Carlos Zieger, mm-hmm. Jared Thompson. Yeah. Then th- those are just goalkeepers. Those yeah. <laughs> Baba Raman, Jake Clark Stalter, Michael Hector, Todd Kane, Thomas Callis, Matt Miazga, American influence there, Kurt Z- Zouma, Kenneth Omarua, Trevo Chaloba, who I actually kind of like. I bought him on FIFA a couple times. Jay De Silva, Reese James, Dijon Sterling. Ala Ana, Fikeo Tamori. Have you Bengali moved on? Daba, Are you still on defenders? Josh Grant. Yeah, I just finished defenders with Josh Grant. Oh, you missed Jack now, Wakeley, who's at backing Stoke Town. Facing oh. Stoke Town, sorry. And I'm not even going to read the rest, but like midfielders 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 midfielders. Forwards 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. I mean, it's that's wild. That's a lot of players on loan. A lot of players on loan. I mean, these are like so, like the players they have on loan, like freaking, you know, Mason Mount's gonna break into the. I, think, you know, I don't know that he's gotten his official England debut, but he's gonna break into that squad soon. Like Christian yeah, Pulisic, obviously. Um, Tammy Abraham is at Villa. Uh, yeah. You know, Alvaro Morado obviously just popped up at Atletico Madrid and had a goal disallowed in the fucking Champions League today. Like, it is... Charlie Massonda. Yeah. It's a wild He's list. Good. Killian Hazard. Is that... You know, Bakayoko's is that... at Milan. Kurt Zuma's at Everton. So, yeah. Eden Hazard's brother is on loan. Yes. <laughs> it's just wild, man. It's a lot it of is. stuff so, going on. So, yeah, Chelsea. They, 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 this is a thing that they manage constantly. Hopefully you enjoyed our rambling on <laughs> Chelsea Football Club. Actual Wednesday news. Uh, Fernando Forestieri will miss this weekend's upcoming game against Swansea City after collecting a second yellow card for I'm not entirely sure what, Evan. Well, look, it's the 99th minute, right? We just scored an equalizer. We're all excited. I get it. Fans come onto the pitch. Not Fessy's fault. But listen, you have to understand, especially on a yellow card already, and this is an unpopular opinion. I know it's an unpopular opinion because I've seen what people say on Twitter. Everyone's irate about it. And maybe it, sh- maybe it shouldn't have been a yellow, but Fessy's still at fault here. Like he He needs to understand the situation and understand like you can't spend that much time down there. Now, if, if a guy is truly hugging him and won't let him go, that's an issue. But I have a hard time believing that an athletic Fernando Forestieri can't break free from the clutches of an excited, probably drunk Sheffield Wednesday fan to get back onto his side. It's big lads think, out in New Yorkshire, to be fair. 
yeah, sure. But listen, man, it's just no, no, it's I one of it. those things that you got to you got to get back. In. We celebrated long enough. Like that came a little while after we scored the goal. It wasn't mm. like an immediate thing where he celebrated with a fan and immediately got a yellow card. He was probably one of very few Sheffield Wednesday players still celebrating that goal at the time. You got to understand. There's 99. You're in the 99th minute. Like they they need to restart. They want to they want to get going, and the referee is going to allow them to get going. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious what Elliot has to say too, because I, I appreciate his kind of level-headed approach to a lot of things, kind of an American perspective on on some of the British stuff too. <laughs> yeah, fair. Um, I, I was yeah totally baffled by what was happening. I agree with you, Evan. He he was lingering it out. I don't. I didn't get the sense of it was like intentional time wasting on on his behalf. So was he lingering? He was, but at that point, the referee. Had, had really just kind of lost his handle on on what was going on in the game. It it got progressive. Like we talked about Michael Hector, the game got worse for him. The game got a lot worse for the referee as it went on. Um, yeah, I think both fan bases were pretty pissed by pissed at him by the by the end of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know what he thought he was accomplishing by doing that. Um, yeah, I know Steve Bruce's comment was well, then you should be given out 15 yellow cards because it wasn't only the 11 or the 10 Wednesday players. It was the, 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 the folks that were warming up on the side and, and everything. So do, yeah, do I, do I think he's completely, completely scot-free and was truly just singled out? I'm not sure that he was, but I also, I also think the, the, the referee had just lost his ability to have a control controlled decision-making at that point and was grasping for, for ways to insert himself into the position power position of the game. Yeah. I think we didn't talk about this in the first second. We probably should have to a certain extent. And I don't like to blame refs for, you know, results or anything like that, but man, he did not have a good level of control over that game at any point in time, Evan. (laughs) no, and you know, I do. I do agree that. I mean, we didn't even talk about the foul, the foul that the foul that should have seen a yeah. Rotherham player set off. Yeah, and I do agree that's a red card. That's that's a reckless challenge. He came out of nowhere. Um, I think the ref, maybe since it's in the first half, and the guy didn't really have a history of aggression, at least in that match, he probably um, maybe was trying to be a little bit lenient. But my goodness, I mean that that was uncalled for. I mean, if that's not a red. Uh, what's a red like? Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's a harsh foul, and I agree that should have been a red card. And and that probably is what is making fans the most angry about the whole situation is that you know Fessy gets a, a yellow or a red card, well, second yellow, for celebrating with fans while you know that that fellow that clattered into him didn't get anything uh, but a yellow. I, I understand that that frustration. Um, yeah, you're right, though. The referee kind of in over his head. I think, you know, when you have eight minutes of stoppage time that turns into nine, <laughs> that turns into ten, um, I think everyone kind of gets a little bit uh, tense and flustered, and the referee was uh, no exception to that. And I do think, fair or not, and we can debate, maybe not right now, but generally how deserved this reputation is. Fessy, I think, certainly has one with the with the refs at that level. And if this was Liam Palmer on a yellow that was a little late getting back, I don't know if he gets booked. That's a good point, too. A little innocent Liam. Like, come on, leave him alone. Have <laughs> um, you picture, is, you seen that picture of him in the stands and the Sheffield Wednesday kid as a 12-year-old? Come on, you're not going to yeah. get the second yellow. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah, Fernando's kind of a, a dirtbag sometimes, so I, I can understand that a little bit, too. You know, there was that long stretch... Uh, a couple of years ago where he, he just dove all the time and I was even getting super annoyed by it. And, he, you know, referees, he had that ref, reputation and the referees, you know, they would they were quite hesitant to call fouls against Forestieri. And so I think his reputation might have preceded him on that instance. We'll move on now to the under 23 action from this week. And a nice 2-0 result to the positive at uh, Sheffield Wednesday. 
for the lads, Evan. Yeah, I might be the only one that doesn't care about this. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's we care about it so much as we can just, you know, again, twist the knife a little bit. Yeah, if it's anyone but Sheffield United, no one cares. You yeah. know, we, we've got a job to take care of here in a few weeks mm-hmm. uh, when, when we play in the, the big match. But, um, you know, over here in, in the United States, if you're not familiar, we have in high school sports, we have varsity and we have junior varsity. Uh, and then we'll even have like freshman teams and reserve teams. But at my school, we had varsity and, and junior varsity and no one gave a crap what the the junior varsity did they'd always play right before the varsity games and it just didn't matter no one cared no one really came to the matches or the games uh and, and watched it just it didn't matter it's kind of what that is to me i mean great uh it's it's cool to see aaron score uh interesting to see him playing with u23s on loan but uh you know cool cool to see him put one in uh and i know from the highlights that the second goal was kind of a botched play by uh, the back line of, of United, and we just tucked it away. But um, good for us, but let's not put too much stake in it, I say. Sure. I mean, it's yeah. just, it just good to see the, you know, the new players get a run out. And I know at least uh, Lazar got a very good report from Dom Housen, who was there. So, you know, it's, maybe it's just a chance to get them from game time and get them ready to step up to the next level. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say, Jeff. It was it was good to see some people getting some some good match action. You know, I think Sam Winall played, um, if not the full game, most of it. Um, yeah, I, I, I like the idea of getting these guys, you know, as much close to ninety minutes as as you can and um, giving them a run out. But yeah, anytime you can head to head to Bramall Lane and and walk away with your with your chin high holds a little bit. But I'm with you, Evan. It does it does it mean anything to to us in the in the longer run maybe not but it is the channel by which you know we we get the the fresh legs into the first team so hopefully it's a it's a sign of of form that's gonna gonna help backstop the rest of our season i will also put in my one complaint for the week i mean probably not my only complaint for the week that uh could not find any match time for Preslav borakov come on get on that now we turn our attention to the upcoming fixtures, and we start, well, it's a slate of home games coming up, but we start this Saturday in the Carlos Derby against Swansea City, Evan. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, Carlos isn't there, but uh, Swans, I don't even know, where are they in the table? They are 13th. It is a yeah. mid-table showdown. Only three points behind them. It's a chance to make hay. Right, yeah, they've just been about as average as we have. Uh, kind of did some, uh, I guess you call it research on them uh, a little while back, and very one-dimensional. Uh, Oliver McBurney, he scored 14 of their goals. Next closest to him is a fellow with four. So, uh, got one job, stop McBurney, and, and you'll probably be in good shape. Um, not much to report other than that. They you know, 53% average possession, pass accuracy, 82% just is what it is. Um, yeah, they, their last, I think they have four points in their last four. They drew 3-3 with Birmingham. They lost to Bristol 2-0. Uh, they beat Millwall, which everyone should be beating Millwall. Uh, beat them 1-0, then a 2-1 loss to Leeds. Uh, and then they just won their FA Cup match couple days ago actually against brentford so they're kind of making a nice little run there in the cup perhaps they'll be more focused on that than a uh, trip east to sheffield wednesday we will see after that it's a midweek fixture against brentford so the problem with previewing brentford i find is they turn over the team so much that <laughs> it's very difficult to uh to keep track of where they are at any given time. Um, but they're having the usual uh, Brentford E season. Uh, another mid-table clash of much excitement. They have uh, taken over Sheffield Wednesday's stranglehold on 16th place. So it is an opportunity for Wednesday to, you know, maybe move up to 13th. Very exciting. Um, you know what? I- I look forward to playing Brentford, though. Um, they're usually they're usually fella, fun. they're usually there's usually goals in the matches. They're usually at least interesting. This is actually at yeah. home. It's like I like their 
actual park. It's like a neat place to... It's an interesting ground, obviously, even on TV. If you're there, there's a pub in all four corners, I'm reliably informed. So it's interesting for different reasons <laughs> if you're actually right. there. It's like, actually the last season, I think, for them at Griffin it Park. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that my first first time I saw Wednesday was at Griffin Park. Yeah, fun, really fun away day. Yeah, I was surprised to see where they were in the table. I guess, you know, I've over the last several years they've been reliably a, a top ten team. Yeah, they're usually just always on the fringes of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. But seeing and I even looked their form. You know, they've you know won um, four of their last five, but still to be a point back from us in the table. I, I missed the fact that they must have had a really nasty run of form earlier in the season. Yeah, I find they're a team I don't pay particularly super close attention to, although I assume Neil Pape was his 18 goals is fairly close to the top of the uh, scoring list in the championship. So once again, it might just be a situation where we need uh, Michael Hector to step up and drop a striker in his back pocket. You know, isn't it disappointing that we don't have a player kind of up near the top of the list this year? Like, I don't even think we have one close, do we? Have we like, had who, any re- – like, who's the last player to – are we talking about, like, Neil Mellor the last time? I guess it was Medine when uh, they were in League One, but – Yeah, so Zhao has nine, right? right? Nine goals. Yeah. And then Timu Pupuki from Norwich has 22 as well as – you know who sharp uh, Billy Blunt from United. Um, so they they both have twenty two. So we're not even we don't even have a player in the conversation, which is frustrating, especially to think that you know Hooper's been injured and and uh, Rhodesy's off somewhere else. It's just uh, kind of a disappointing disappointing thing to see. I mean, there's been a lot of disappointing things this season, Evan. Has there? I haven't noticed. Yeah. Uh. In more exciting Owls Americas news, we have our first meetup in Nova Scotia this weekend. We have a new city rep for Victoria. That's in British Columbia. So we are taking Americas as literally as possible and extending to the Great White North. Of course, all details for that are on the Owls Americas website. There will be a Chicago Owls meetup this weekend. Um, Patty has requested you email him for details. It'll be quite the shindig, I'm reliably informed, Evan. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Paul's getting married in Chicago on Saturday, and so uh, Patty, James, and I will be in Chicago. It'll be the first time I've ever met James in person. Uh, Same with Paul, actually, so... Uh, it'll be cool to see those guys, and yeah, we have a little little setup that if you you want some information on that, you can uh, make it into the city. We're we're pretty close. I think we're on Michigan Avenue actually. So uh, get a hold of us. We'll give you some details on that, and we'd be excited to see you if you can make it. And if you are in New York with all our New York owls out of town, we're actually meeting up at the Swansea City Bar at Liberty NYC. I I hung out with the Swans. For the reverse fixture early in the season, they're all very good people. I can confirm. And New Orleans Owls will be back at Finn McCool's. I think Jamie's back now. Uh, the New Orleans Owls flag has been making its way around various parts of uh, Yorkshire and abroad, as Jamie has been uh, traipsing about merry old England recently. Uh, you can see a lot of how, those pictures on our Instagram account. How awesome has that been, too? To, That's to pretty fun, yeah. Tout the OA flag as well as the New Orleans Owls. I saw it. You could see it on camera. He was he had uh, the flag on the oh, front row. I must have missed uh, that. One of our matches. Uh, I guess it wasn't at Brentford, so uh, it was the home match. Not Brentford, sorry. Um, at uh, Rotherham. It, it, was, it was at home. So... Um, it's been cool, and special thanks to the the fellow that hooked him up with a ticket at Rotherham. Got him an, an extra, I think, the day before, the day of the match. So uh, it's you know really cool to see uh, just kind of the Wednesday family step up and, and embrace uh, embrace Jamie. We are all Wednesday, aren't we? And speaking of which, we have an email from Stephen, as I implied at the outset. 
So after Jeffrey talked last week about how you never get any emails or calls, I was saddened by the lack of Owls fans' responses, and I've taken it upon myself to email at least once a week and ask questions to whomever may be on the pod and hopefully get more people to do it and have more fan interaction with our fearless leader of Owls Americas. I hope he's not talking about me. So for the question this week, which current Owl player would start for Team USA if they were American? It is hmm. Stephen Peck, our Fort Wayne Owl, another Midwest uh, contribution. He's a guy that uh, Elliot and I have actually had a chance to hang out with uh, for the first United match. Yeah, uh, he's great. Steven's yeah. a good guy, yeah. Um, Elliot, so, do you want to take that one? Yeah, uh, we're, we're missing our usual. Uh, Luke is still on paternity leave, so he would normally who I would toss it over here to because I've not kept particularly close of the close ties on the tumult within the U.S. Well, I mean, squad right now. Clearly, uh, yeah, To to if you think of the current squad, clearly a big youth movement right a big turn trying to really turn the generation over after the the absolute debacle and trying to qualify for the last world cup but if you if i think back to kind of the the style of the team that's been there for the last 15 20 years i mean sam hutchinson fits the mold i think pretty well as a as a, a fearless uh defender um you know uh a timely tackler when, when need be, um, you know, where's, where's the emotion on the sleeve, uh, potentially to a fault. Um, yeah, man, I can't, when I, when I, you know, just right off the cuff thinking about it, man, Sam Hutchinson would slot right in with, with some of the, the greats we've had on those, on the U S team over the last 20 years. That's for sure. Now the current team is a really good question. Um, still trying to figure out, you know, who, who they're, maybe even best 15 are yet alone best 11 um so yeah it's a good question steven it's fun to think about you know who would have uh fit in really well with our our world cup roster would be alman abdi because uh it doesn't exist (laughs) (laughs) all right that's a a good place to end i think this is episode 58 Wait, 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 wait. We didn't do any dispatches from American soccer. Wasn't that and, literally uh, just dispatches from American soccer? Do you have no, more? Uh, are was, you going to make fun of Cincinnati FC again? I'm not going to make fun of them, but I do have, uh, since we have Elliot, who's a, a big FC Cincinnati fan, um, I, I have no, no, nothing negative to say about FC Cincinnati today, <laughs> except, except for one thing, but I'm going to let Elliot yeah. start. Um, Elliot, what do you think of the new FCC kits? Um... The home and yeah. away. Yeah, the home and away. Uh, I like the home, or excuse me, the away kit. I like a pretty straightforward white kit. That's the one I'm surely going to be be picking up. I, I'm the the way the Adidas kits are just kind of laid out, and they have these kind of cross hatch blue stripes running vertically through the kit. It it doesn't wow me. Um, I was I liked the simplicity of the kits that they actually had over the last couple of years. Um, it, yeah, I like the Nike look more than I like the Adidas look, just in in general of how it plays out. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up one of the away kits that's for sure. Um, so yeah, excited for the season. What two weeks from from Saturday? Um, yeah, I guess two weeks out. from Sunday. Yeah, or Saturday. Yeah. So what's your what's your opinion, Evan? Go ahead. So I think it, it's no, no, it, I actually, a lot of people hate the, the white ones and I do think they're boring. And, uh, I think I, I tweeted out that opinion sort of, um, but the thing is, I'm kind of with you is that I like a simpler look. And I think that, it, you know, you have the, the stripes on the home kit and I think that, that they tried to do too much, right? You can't, you can't really mess with stripes and they tried to, right? The kind of. What what do you, you call them crosshatch stripes? But like, yeah, it's like angled just, one direction and then angled another direction. Yeah, it's too busy. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Right, they they tried to do way too much with that one, and then they kept the weight kit very simple. Um, the only thing is, I, I think it's interesting that you know people get really ex- people got really excited when when FCC you know became an MLS team, and I think that they might have maybe over some people, not all people, but some people might have overlooked the fact that they. MLS has a contract with Adidas, so all of a sudden, you go from all your awesome Nike stuff. But like that was the one thing 
there, there were two things that I really envied about FCC. One was the front office, the ticket staff and, and the marketing staff and how well um, they created a, a sweet environment there in Nippert Stadium. And the other was how cool their merchandise was, man. I, I love the Nike look. I love uh, the kind of the simple look and, and you had the cool hats and sweatshirts and stuff. And now all of a sudden, everything you have is the same as every other MLS team. And I don't know if a lot of people realize that would happen. Those white kits, nice and simple, uh, straightforward. It is what it is. Um, but those are pretty much, like, to me, that that kit is the template that the crew jerseys start with, right? The blank white slate with the, the Adidas stripes. And then last year, crew had that blank white slate. And then they changed the white to black, changed the stripe to yellow, and boom, that's the crew kit. Like, it's it's exactly the same, pretty much. Um, and so it's just, it's kind of interesting to see the, see what, MLS really does to a club and I'm not going to have an MLS bash session, but um, you know, you kind of lose some of that creativity. The club doesn't have as much say in and the branding and, and what goes on. And so that's kind of an unfortunate thing, but uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a hater of the away kit. I think the, the home kit's a little too busy. Uh, I wish it was, I wish it was blue and white stripes. I'd almost consider if they would have done instead of orange and orange and blue done blue and white, man, I, I might have considered a a purchase. Yeah. It, it's it's a fair point. We it's 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 a conversation, you know, I'd love to have with, with you guys at a as a larger degree. Just yeah, the it, we talked about this even I think when I was on last year that um clearly great for the ownership to make this move to MLS. Jury's out with me whether this is actually better for the fan. So um I'm excited, of course. Why wouldn't you be to be able to have a chance to play the the top tier, um, you know, football in the country. Um, but I, my expectations are about as low as they can be. Um, it's going to be fun to see Slaton come to town and, um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're excited to get kicked off and I'll be at the game on the 17th when the Timbers come to town. I say, and while we're on the subject, um, and I think you and I had this discussion, but, um, important to me to, to kind of point it out is that MLS creates the schedule for each team. And somehow they have two teams in Ohio, right? This big rivalry. They don't have to generate. They don't have to hype it up. Like it's already a rivalry. The two teams have played each other before and it was huge. It was sold out. Um, and they decide to schedule the first matchup between the two teams a, a month before the season ends. Like, how is that not your, either your opener or like the 4th of July game or some holiday, like big event, they just decided to tuck it away in August. And in fact, both matches, you know, you play each other twice, both matches are in August or they're maybe they're not, but they're two weeks or three weeks away from each other. I hear, uh, I hear Ohio in August is lovely though, Evan. Well, yeah. Besides the fact that you'll sweat your balls off (laughs) trying to watch the two teams, it's just frustrating that like they, they, MLS does such a terrible job hyping up just manufactured rivalries like Atlanta and DC United or whatever and some of these garbage things. And then when they have an actual natural one, they don't do anything to kind of fester, foster that rivalry and and uh, develop it. Couldn't agree with you more, buddy. And here I was worried about the show getting to 45 minutes this week. <laughs> now this has been episode 58 of the Owls Americast. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. And because Patty, our king of social media, wanted us to throw in a plug for it, we're also on Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our dazed and mumbled line at 1-401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. Evan is on Twitter, at OhioL. Evan, can you at least put a plug in for the nice FCC scarfs they have available? Those scarfs are awesome, man. I actually really like those. They have kind of a 
um, a cityscape, not the actual skyline, but kind of a, and maybe Elliot can t- touch on this more, but yeah, just a sweet little uh, uh, neighborhood line of, of buildings right next to the stadium. And um, they did a nice job paying, paying homage to kind of the, the Cincinnati culture and uh, the, the city itself. Elliot, I have no idea where you're actually on Twitter, so where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Cincinnati Owls. Makes sense. That's owls with an S. Like I said, the, the S is more hopeful than accurate, so if you're you're in Cincinnati and an Owls fan, look me up. Let's get an actual supporters group so Evan and I stop having to drive hours to hang out together to watch and, games. And if I'm not mistaken, that scarf does feature the uh, new orchestra building that's going to get Tons of noise pollution from the stadium while they're playing Shostakovich's fifth or whatever. <laughs> you got it. Yep, the ballet will be totally, uh, totally uh, 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 shattered with the with the 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 chance of uh, glory raining out from the stadium a couple blocks away. You got it. And That's I'm awesome. On, <laughs> and I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and we'll see you back here next week. <laughs>